Welcome to a very, very special edition of the PFF Forecast. It is Wednesday, February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day to all the uh, all the beautiful women out there. We have a great show. We're going to talk civilly about the Super Bowl. Um, I will try to limit the number of times I mention um, Nick Bosa getting held to, to under 10. We're going to talk about the overtime uh, decision. We're going to look at Super Bowl futures, and we're going to put a line on the number of teams to win a Super Bowl in the next five years. Oh, and by the way, we have a very, very special podcast with a very, very special guest. It'll be a great time. Let's rock. The, uh, the people want Eric Eager. The people really want Eric Eager. I, you know, I wish, I wish that he, you know, he's busy uh, at a Super Bowl parade. He had to accept on behalf of Chiefs Kingdom, the, you know, the weight of Chiefs Kingdom on his shoulders. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we, um, we did find time. We did find time to pull him away from celebrating yet another Super Bowl Another Super Bowl win, a win over my Niners. Um, it seemed like the perfect time to have our great friend, the doctor, formerly PFF underscore Eric, uh, back on the pod. Brother, how are you doing, man? George, it's great to hear your voice. Uh, missed you, man. Uh, obviously, I've gotten to see a, a lot of you. Uh, I, I, Judah, we went to a, an Eagles-Vikings game recently. Arjun, I saw you at uh, Tulane. And then Brad, I saw you at the Super Bowl. George, it's been forever since i've seen you even though we did the show for so long uh it's it's uh it's great to be here how how do i look i, I would say that it looks like you've been hitting the basketball court um you know it's been a while but but you seem to have, have rallied here you know um I, I gotta say you know like you from a from a physical fitness standpoint, you cast a big shadow, George. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, ever, ever since I got out from under that, I've been able to lose some weight. I've been able to, you know, get this jawline back on track. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's been uh, it's been a journey, but, uh, but yeah, it's been fun. I, you know, look, uh, it, it's 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 tough though because you know my new show, the Sumer Sports Show, with myself and Thomas Dimitrov. Uh, he doesn't talk gambling. I oh. actually brought Thomas into the sports book. To bet for the first time in his life because he was never able to bet. We bet, of course, because we're Americans and we want instant gratification. We bet on the first quarter over in a in an NBA game. It cashed with four minutes left in the first quarter because I'm sharp and mm -hmm. and we won. And of course, his first thing was, Eric, we should have bet a thousand dollars on this. We put like a hundred on it. So then, <laughs> but of course, the next time we get, so we go, we 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 had to take a call. We come back. He's like, okay, what's next? So of course the 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 uh, defending champion Nuggets are down three uh, to the Utah. I think it was Utah Jazz. Maybe it was maybe a different team. They were down three at halftime. I'm like, okay, all right. I know I don't know much about the NBA. I'm not like you, George, but I know that the Nuggets are good. So I go up. I'm like, all right, Thomas is a very special bet. We're gonna bet Nuggets second half minus ten and a half. So they got to win by nine or more. Of course, they get out, they get their ass kicked in the third quarter. They like lose ground in the third quarter. Thomas looks at me, he's like, Coach, this is the worst bet I've ever seen somebody <laughs> fucking make. I can I swear on the show. I can't remember if they changed the rules. Yes. It's the worst fucking bet I've ever seen somebody make. And of course, the Nuggets rally because Big Honey's out there just, you know, doing his thing. 
Um, <laughs> they get up, they get up, they're covering by six. And in the last minute, their opponent hits two threes. Thomas is sweating his balls off watching this game. And then, of course, we get the, the Nuggets run the clock out. And then I'm sweating, making sure that the opponent with nothing to play for runs the clock out. We win the bet by one point. So he got the full experience. And, you know, I got to say, you know, it was fun, but I, I, but it's not the same. It's not the same as sweating out games with you because it was, it was so much different back in the day. And so, yeah, it's, it's, I missed that part of it for sure. And yeah, I, I, you know, watching the, my, my daughter, Chloe root for the Niners to piss me off was a much different experience than watching you root for the Niners four years ago because you actually love them. So it was a different experience this time around. Um, but we're, we're, uh, many things have stayed the same, but a lot of things have changed. When you texted me that, uh, that Chloe was rooting for the Niners, um, I had always known we had a kindred spirit, you know, and it's just good to know that, you know, one of the, one of the eagers has a mind of their own um, and can make their own decisions. That, that, Old Chiefs, so that Chiefs uh, Niners Super Bowl that we went to, um, most notably, I had bet on the Chiefs. And this time, Eric, I didn't, there was never even a, I texted you about this. I thought the Chiefs should have been favored in that game and had a lot of arguments with people about that. Um, did you bet on this game and in which way? Um, under was the my favorite play the whole week. And like the, going around Radio Row, I was kind of like, I, I didn't understand when you looked at the Dolphins game, Tua led the league in passing yards. I know it was cold. I know, but like cold isn't really, and that game actually went over first half. Um, then they go to Buffalo. That game actually went over, but second half it went under. The Ravens game went over first half, went under full game. The Chiefs all season were kind of like pretty middle of the pack in terms of success rate allowed defensively on drive success, as as as, uh, as uh, Judah will tell you. Like on the drive for drive success, they're kind of middle middle of the pack, giving up first downs, but they do a really good job of like closing the door, basically, uh, you know, making the other team cross the street a million times in the end zone to get to the end zone. And so I felt like that game would play slowly. I think that there, I thought there were going to be like kind of eight or nine possessions per team, and I felt like they would close the door on the Niners when it counted. And I didn't think that they necessarily get turnovers as they did, but I thought that they were going to be able to. Uh, you know, limit the Niners points wise, if not yards wise. And I thought that the Chiefs offensively still hadn't hadn't got over the hump. Uh, I thought that it, they scored 17 against the Ravens. They had a little bit of success against uh, Miami and Buffalo who were injured. So I didn't think 47 and a half was the fair total. And so I was running around Radio Road talking about under. I alt-unders mm -hmm. all day. And I lost the alt-unders, of course, because of uh, uh, the game going into overtime. And uh, there was some really sharp money on under uh, that that drove the thing to 46 and a half. If you got the worst of it, you lost. Um, but I, I, I liked under more than I like Chiefs. I, I think there was a case to be made that the the value had gotten squeezed out of the Chiefs, given the fact that the Ravens were six and a half point dogs to the Niners on Christmas Day. And then the the Ravens were five and a half point favorites to the uh, the Chiefs just two weeks earlier. I don't know if the Chiefs, even with playoff Patrick Mahomes, could have made up that much spread in the minds of betters in a realistic sense in that much time. So that was kind of my like respecting the market bit. I liked under more than I like Chiefs, but uh, you know that that was kind of my handicap of the game. And you got it at forty-seven and a half. Yeah, I thought it would close higher because yeah. in these games, you know, the over is almost always the public side, and the public gets to say. Uh, but there was a ton of sharp money on under uh, close, and that's why I closed. I think I mean, you just walked around Radio Row 
you know, give it away, give it away to, to, you know, my influence here. Yeah, exactly. Let's let's talk about this OT decision. And I have been pretty vocal about my stance on it. I'm excited, Eric. We have not talked about it. This is something that usually we're able to kind of game theory out in a in a mathematically robust uh, direction. And obviously, we've got Brad, Judah, and Arjun who are going to be able to do the same. And so, I'm interested in in where you guys stand, um, Eric. I'll start with you. Like, first off, your reaction. Was your immediate intuition uh, what you actually believe now to be the right choice in terms of kick or receive with the playoff OT? Yeah, I tweeted. Like I said, I thought the Chiefs got bailed out by the Niners taking the ball first. Um, I had been asked this question by a few teams that were in the playoffs. I did the math. It is I, – I do agree that for in, – in the league average sense, it's about a coin flip. In my opinion, though – in this particular case with this particular Kansas city chiefs team, an infuriating Kansas city chiefs team, mind you, the, the, this chiefs team's biggest impediment was their themselves. And so I know that the, the Niners were tired defensively. And I know that um, I, I get, I get all the, like the reasons why, you know, the Niners thought that they should take the ball. But the defense that was going to be the best defense for against the Chiefs was the Chiefs, like mm-hmm. Andy Reid punting. He would have punted on fourth and one from his own yes. 34 had they they not needed points. They would have, like, if he throws to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, that ball's glancing off his hands and getting picked off half the time. If he, Andy's running the ball on early downs, Isaiah Pacheco, if he doesn't need three points to seven points, in that possession. Like there are so many things that the chiefs did all year where they're just stepping on their own dick the whole year and getting in their own way to the point where the worst thing that you could do for this team, a a championship pedigree team with the best player in the league is give them a definitive goal. I mean, you're a manager. We're all man. We we all like have people at times that work for us. Like the, the best thing that you can do for some employees is like, say you do this, I'll give you this. And, and the league by in a microcosm, the Niners specifically said, Kansas City, if you take this one drive from your 25 and score a touchdown, you are league champions. And and in a, in a year where the Chiefs took ambiguity and fucked up repeatedly, they gave them definitive goals and said, go for it. And the Chiefs did. And that, to me, was the dumbest part of the whole thing. And that's why I thought kicking off was not smart at all, even though I don't think uh, in the pantheon of decisions that teams could make, you know, mm-hmm. with win probability and everything, it was nowhere close to the worst one they could have made all year. I just thought that, like, on the boundary, it was a rough decision for the Niners to make in this specific case. I just want to throw in to, I guess, either either Dr. or George or whoever, if you are going to go first, do you think that oh, was it fourth and four on the nine yard line Niners had? Like, do you still go for you, you have to go for that and just behave as though seven is the minimum amount of points you can score again, particularly against a certain opponent being the Kansas City Chiefs? Judah, go ahead. I know you have. Yeah, I was going to bring this up because I think that was a much worse mistake. Uh, not only if you fail that, uh, right, like you're really putting the, the Chiefs against the, a wall here and you just need a field goal after a stop. Uh, which I think is a very important distinction to make. Uh, and obviously there's the upside of, of scoring a touchdown there. Uh, I think that was kind of a, a worse mistake. I'm, I'm curious what everyone else thinks. Uh, but I, I think it's kind of hard to 
hard to say one way or another uh, definitively, at least from a mathematical perspective. I think Eric makes like a bunch of compelling points. Um, and, and it's like, there's almost also to made for like how this game played out of like these teams really struggling on offense, even in the second half, uh, that actually the third possession does matter a lot because the modal outcome here is still like two teams failing to score. Uh, especially if like San Francisco uh, punts on their first drive. Now we like take away Kansas city needing to score here. It's kind of in that same situation uh, as opposed to Kansas uh, to San Francisco kicking a field goal, in which case you're in the position that the era brings up of like needing to actually score. Uh, I think all that is to say, it's a pretty like ambiguous uh, answer. I think. The, the fourth down decision is exactly though, why I think it's advantageous to kick because you are going to, you are, it's going to be very hard for you to make that fourth down decision if you go first. Whereas you, what you saw with the Chiefs, it was very easy to make that decision. And what I think, why I think this is such a hard math problem to answer is that all of, there's a cascading impact of those decisions throughout the rest of your play calling, right? And Eric, we used to talk about this all the time. If you know you're going for fourth down, how that impacts your ability to call plays earlier in the sequence is has a meaningful impact, right? And, and the fact that you go out there with that mindset is is different. And so I think that's what makes it really tough and why I like going second so much more. Your decisions are made for you at that point, right? You know what you need, and that gives you a freedom to play with that, by the way, the last quarterback on planet Earth that I would ever want to have freedom is Patrick Mahomes, which made the, the, you know, the call even more asinine. But I think your point, Judah, is exactly it. That's a, that's a bad decision to make given all the things that we know, but it's very hard to make when you go first because you could stop the Chiefs, theoretically. Or hold them to a field goal. That you you gave up, that was the answer I was kind of listening or looking for just because it, it's a behavioral thing to me. It's when you know the Chiefs are now going to play with four downs the entire time, it, it changes their, their fundamental approach to what they're doing. Um, you know, and it's well, no different than like, I think people told me to talk about the go for two down eight decision. And now the next part of the analysis is okay, but are you inviting your opponent? Like Eric has written the articles before, you know, kicking a field goal to go up six late in a game. Okay. You're just making it. So instead of, instead of them settling for a field goal and kicking a field goal from 35 to tie the game, they're going to drive down and score a touchdown and, and score seven. It's just the behavioral elements of it. The, the knowledge, the information advantage and knowing exactly what you need, um, I, I think, skews it to where I get the math is even. And, and I've, you know, Brian Burke's done cool threads on it. I, I think Sam Schwartzstein's spoken about it uh, with Kevin Cole at, at some point. Um, but, yeah, I just I want as much information as possible. Eric, how did you model it out? Because because here's the thing in a in a second possession, when let's say the first team picks a field goal on the second possession, you're still having the mentality of I've got to score because of the third possession being such a now sudden death, right? So how did you model that out? Did you, did you simulate it? Did you ascribe kind of probabilities? Did you take sort of segments from games that you felt were similar to that and use that as a, a facsimile? How did you do it? I just used decision trees. Like I, it was basically a decision tree. There's like the, you, you can do this, um, you can use like a kind of a difference equation approach basically because after the first one, it's an absorbing state process where like in a markup chain, like the, the game ends at a certain point. So, you know, the simulation process obviously, you know, works and because not all possessions are equal because of punts and you do want to like the heterogeneity of what can happen with punts and stuff can be a thing. Um, but I, I just use a simple approach because 
I wanted to be able to look at the sensitivity with respect to uh, different rates. And to my point earlier, it is really sensitive to how like how much you assume uh, a team's ability to score and stop is. And that's why, you know, Michael Lopez of the NFL, like that's why he said, like, it is a different recommendation depending upon the team. And that is why they've done a pretty good job here and why it's not a slam dunk. Um, Here's one good question, though, I do want to throw around the room. If you do get the ball first, do you try to score eight is a good question, I think, because that's kind of where I I think that that that's what I would do. If I if I got the ball first because the other team deferred to me, I would try to score eight because. Like. I would I would try to shield off the other team from I would try to have that third because everybody talks about the third possession. I agree with what Judah said, like the modal outcome. Like people talk about touchdown, touchdown, as if that is what actually elicits the third possession. And I don't actually think that that like it's not actually that common. I I would actually if I did get the if I did get the touchdown, I would score two to try to because I don't think an actual answered touchdown is that common. And 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 I can stop a two point conversion. And if I actually get a two point conversion, then I have the shield. I actually do get the third possession guaranteed with you know, uh, sudden death in my favor. So that that's another like wrinkle to it as well. And I do think that that also, if you know the way that your opponent works, it actually yeah. does influence the decisions you're making as well, which makes the whole like part of this overtime bit also imperfect uh, when it comes to an overtime that starts with a kickoff. I'll let you guys yeah. answer first. I'm curious. I, cause I'm glad you brought it up. Cause I thought of the exact same thing when like walking to class today and really like the way i thought about it is if you go for two it's you're it's kind of like 50 50 50 that you get it basically but then it's also like if you assume that the other team is going to score a touchdown also it's 50 percent you lose and then 50 percent you don't lose and in that 50 percent you don't lose they can either tie or that you can win the game if you get the two-point conversion so like I don't necessarily think going for two is is the right approach because if you don't get it, I mean, again, it's 50-50, then like all they really have to do is score a touchdown, make the PAT, and it's game over. I don't really think it incentivizes – there's any incentive for a team to go for two on the first try. Um, I Like – and and I guess the only thing would be, you know, if you do – if you do kick, you make the PAT and then you invite the chance that the other team can win. How much trust do you have in your defense to get one stop after you probably let them drive the entire length of the field? But for me, like the way I framed it, it was like, yeah, there's a, even if, if you go for it, it's 50% you lose, 50% you don't lose, assuming that the other team scores a touchdown. I don't know if that's the right approach, but that's kind of how I framed it. I find this to be the ultimate game theory question. Number one, I think it's totally coach dependent. Like if you're playing against the Ravens, they're going for two, and you have to go for two. Uh, say, like, first team scores a touchdown, gets seven. The second team has to go for two because it's sudden death at that point. So I don't think it's not really 50-50. You absolutely have to. But I also, like, don't think that Mike Tomlin's uh, going for two. Like, he's just trying to five, and he's going to kick, which I think makes this kind of the ultimate game theory question of, like, you have to kind of build into your calculus what you think the other coach is going to do, uh, which I – kudos to the NFL – for, uh, well, that reminds me of like the conversation George had, like all the way back 2018, right? When George was, you know, he was Fred Gidelli, he was in Fred Gidelli's uh, bus, you know, or uh, was a truck, a truck, right? And truck. Yeah. We were back when our first iteration of Green Line, which did horribly, we're, we're sweating out these games. 
and, and it's never falling right for us in 2018. I remember specifically there was a game where we were on the Falcons, Thomas's Falcons, uh, and and it was uh, and the game went into overtime. And it, they went into overtime because Drew Brees scored a touchdown to Michael Thomas at the end of the game. There's like 30 seconds left. And they decided to kick the PAT. And in the next week, and of course, they go on to win because Drew Brees scored a touchdown in overtime. Falcons never won close games. That's why Thomas is my boss now. And and George or somebody in that in the in there asked a question, basically saying, like, why didn't you go for two with 30 seconds left? And just try to ice the game there. And Sean Payton told the production crew, I would have gone for two, but I knew that Dan Quinn would sit on the ball if they were yep. if, if the game was tied. And I knew that their offense was good enough that if I enticed them to actually try, they had a good enough kicker that they could beat us. And like again, it's the point of like knowing who Dan Quinn is, knowing all this. Like again, it, it's it's crazy because. Like, that's like knowing that, like those Falcons teams. And I, I joke about Thomas, like part of it is joking that Thomas put those great teams together and Dan Quinn sat on the ball in those situations. But like, it, it's, it's knowing the guy in front of you. Whereas I think that there are some coaches, if that game was tied, they'd still try to score with 30 seconds left. And so you, whether or not you go for two or not, it doesn't matter. But some coaches, you know, you could, if you know, back in this league wide scoring environment in 2018, um, you could, you know, you, you could basically say like, make the calculation coin flip in overtime or worse than a coin flip with 30 seconds left to get into field goal range for some of these kickers. For example, on Sunday, those guys were hitting it from the parking lot. So if you give the ball back to them with 30 seconds of another mistake Shanahan made at the end of the first half, you, you, you'll really have a hard time actually stopping another team. So it, 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 it's, it's very much a game theory problem to, to Judah's point. Get excited, Commanders fans. That's what you're saying. Uh, I, I Commanders are going to be a treat. But it, I think that's right. And so is basically the heuristic then, because I would have assumed Andy Reid, obviously, in that moment, was going to go for two. There's just no way he's – especially with, with Mahomes. So it's basically like if you believe there's a greater than 50% chance that your opponent would go for two should you score a touchdown and kick a field goal, that you go for two first. You basically want to make you, you essentially want to make the decision before they get a chance to make the decision. And if you think they're going to make that same decision. Is that is that sort of the way that and Eric, is that how you thought about it? I think so. Like, I think, yeah, you just really want to. Yeah, I, I think I, I think you articulated well there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, initially, I thought kicking or going for two was the wrong choice on the first possession, but that like my snap decision uh, or my snap kind of reconnection was like, no, there's no way given the third possession, the third possession being sudden death changes so much about how a team will act on the second possession that you can't take anything about normal football and apply it to that. So, you know, it's going to turn if there's anything, that's going to turn Dan Quinn into a guy that's going to make those decisions. It will be this, this overtime construct. That is my, uh, that is my guess. Um, okay. But we are all team uh, kick to start overtime. So you guys get this decision and you're the head coach. You guys are all kicking to start overtime. I don't yeah. think so. I think no. it's, I think it's, I think it's game dependent. Uh, and opponent. In this game, I'm kicking. 
Yeah. In this game, if I'm in, the Niners, in this I'm game, kicking. I'm kicking also. What yeah. what's the what's the makeup of a team against whom you are receiving? Um, anyone that anyone that doesn't have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, it's a it's a different question. And I'm great off. If I'm the fa- if I'm the favorite and if I'm the favorite and their defense sucks, I'll I'll take the ball. Right, if I'm the, like, if I'm the favorite and I know I can get eight on them right away, like but the problem is, is I actually tweeted this out the other day. This is crazy. Did you guys know since 2009, there has never been a Super Bowl with a favorite more favorite by more than five? But from 1989 to 2000 and was it eight, Judah? No Super Bowl had a had a point spread or was it only three point spreads were under six and a half or over six? It was something like that. Something crazy. I don't like remember. That. I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was something. But like but that. it's like from from eighty nine to like two thousand, there were no point spreads under six and a half, and there was only like three of them. So like in a Super Bowl nowadays, they're all close, and so I think nowadays you're probably probably always going to get the situation where you're kicking off. But in a mm-hmm. situation where I'm favored and the other team's got a bad defense, but whatever reason they've they've hung hung with me for some reason, and I get the ball and they got a crappy defense, and I can just go down and like beat them up and score eight. And I know that I'm better than them in every way. And I'm like, come and get me. I, I, I'll i do that. Like, I, I think that that is, there's a, there's a situation where that might be the case that I, that I can go out do, as opposed to giving them the ball first and they can catch a big play on me or something random. And, and I'm behind the eight ball. And now all of a sudden I'm tensed up. I, that that's kind of where I, where I, I, I could, I could see so, a situation where plus EV to take the ball. Not to so, beat a dead horse, but that would be Dan Quinn's Falcons again, I think. <laughs> so I thought this oh, originally. God. This was this was how I thought about it as well. But it reminded me of the uh, the analytic folks who used to uh, – the people that would rail on the analytic folks about when it was a fourth down decision. Oh, well – I'm not going to go for this fourth down because I don't have a very good quarterback or, you know, this, you know, my left guard is hurt or all these things. And we would always come back and we would say, no, even if you're the inferior team, more variance, more opportunities is good for you. If I'm playing a crappy team, let's say I'm playing a bottom 10 quarterback. The last thing I want is Gardner Minshew to get one more crack at beating me. So I'm making them take the ball first assuming there's no way they're going to want Gardner Minshew to go for fourth down with they get the ball first. And then I'm getting the ball back and I'm kicking a field goal to win the game or, or, you know, scoring a touchdown, whatever it is that I need. Right. And so I actually think my, my gut tells me actually that regardless of the quarterback I'm facing, I am making them go first and then taking the ball. It's I, I think it, George, way you framed it is particularly interesting because it got me to thinking of like, okay, there are like two key points, at least that I'm thinking about. Number one, it's like the real advantage of the, the team receiving is right that third possession as opposed to like the second team knowing uh, and having that advantage. I think it's like, so the two things are like the modal outcome, as I talked before, is still going to be punt, punt, and then which gets to point two, which is like going back to the old overtime rules, which would be. You know, if both teams punted, it would be effectively the same situation when, like, the team that receives gets 67, like, won 67% of the games, right? That's a team who just needs a field goal to win. So, effectively, the uh, if you're the t- if you want to receive, I think it's because that offense is more likely to punt and less likely for that drive to end in a touchdown. And it actually has to do with the quality of the offense. Why? Because you 
as the receiving team now getting that third possession are effectively in this like receiving based on the old playoff rules and like the base rate there is 67 percent. obviously that's going to depend on the teams uh, but almost like those are the two key points which is like how likely is that punt punt scenario i think mm-hmm. and then how likely are you to end up with the ball only needing a field goal to win because that's like the the jackpot of the scenario mm-hmm. yeah that I think there's a good there's a good comment in there by by um by Frederick in the or Friedrich in the in the chat like it, if it is a defensive slugfest the one the one part that was frustrating about being a Chiefs fan in that game was the 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 field position was bad and to the point about the Niners having the ball so frustrating Eric that must have been tough for yeah you. like no well that the the field position was horrendous for them in the second half and like I do think if you're the Niners one of the things was if if you go for it and don't get it. And the chiefs are backed up at like the nine yard line. Like that's where it starts to get plus EV for you, right? Where Mm -hmm. you can force an offense that has been struggling all year to go the 90 yards. And if they don't, and, and then you, you get the ball and like, let's say you get a three and out, then you're getting the ball like your own 40 and then you're in sudden death. I, I do think if, if both defenses were good or both offenses sucked, Maybe we're maybe we're thinking too Super Bowl centric here and not thinking enough about if, but it is a playoff rule. So like that's maybe we're thinking not thinking enough. Like I, I'm thinking about because it's a playoff rule. I'm thinking about teams that have like requisite offenses or, or anything. But if it was something where both defenses were amazing, then maybe you could sort of venture into what Jude is talking about, where it's to field position on the third possession matters a ton. I just again, I just think that there's so many ways teams can make mistakes that in the first two possessions where punt punt is the modal outcome, but it's still like, it's a modal outcome, but it's not like, it's still not above 50%, if that makes sense. So I, that's like kind of where I get, I get worried about, um, I get worried about kind of leaning on that. And it, it's, it's, a not, weird it's, thing. it's a weird thing. It's weird. It, it's modal in, in, um, in the way we generally think about two possessions and any two possessions in a football game. But if you are the team with the second possession and you know if you punt the ball away that, you know, you are going to have it, the other team with a chance to win the game on a field goal, you're going to do things you wouldn't normally do. And I don't want to be subject to the random ass trick play that some crappy team comes up with that, you know, that scores on me. But I, I do think it's a very good conversation. We will table this for now. We're going to move on. We're on to next season. Why? Because next season, the San Francisco 49ers are the favorite to win the Super Bowl. And nothing gets me more excited than winning the Super Bowl in the offseason. Um, here are the odds on FanDuel Sportsbook. The Niners are 5-1. to one, Kansas City Chiefs plus 650. The Ravens 9-1. to one, The restore, uh, Restored Roar 12-1, to one, as well as the Buffalo Bills. The Cincinnati Bengals and the Dallas Cowboys, both 15 to 1. The Philadelphia Eagles are 17 to 1. The Dolphins, 20 to 1. The Texans and Packers, 25 to 1. Rams, Chargers, Jets, Jaguars, 30 to 1. Your Minnesota Vikings, Eric, are 40 to 1, as are the Chicago Bears. That must be good to hear. Uh, the Cleveland Browns, 45 to 1. The Falcons, our Falcons, 50 to 1, as well as the Colts, the Saints, Raiders. Cardinals, Bucks, Seahawks, 75 to 1. The Steelers, Broncos are 100 to 1. The aforementioned Washington Commanders, 151, as well as the Patriots, Titans, Giants, and in the very far rear, the Carolina Panthers are 250 to 1, which I think is great. <laughs> um, 
What what are your immediate reactions there? Eric, I'm just curious. Did, did you bribe someone to make the Chiefs not favorites so that there was some sort of chip on, on Mahomes' shoulder again? Well, it's funny because uh, my friend Sam McDowell writes for the Kansas City Star. Like He like went around and – because I've always thought that this idea that they were underdogs last year is bullshit. I always – like like yeah, and as analytics people, like I don't want my players thinking the way I do. I was a shitty college football player because I thought analytically I was bad. I want my players being like, no one believes in us. I, I want them thinking like that. But – but it's funny because when Sam went around and asked the Chiefs, like, why they think no one believes in them, they were like, well, we none of us were all that highly recruited and all this kind of stuff. And he went back and I helped him look at the data. You know, like, the Chiefs only have three top 20 picks on their whole roster. And two of them don't play. Kadarius Tony and Blaine Gabbert are two of their top – they have three top 20 picks on their roster. Mahomes, Gabbert, and Kadarius Tony on their whole roster. I think the Niners have, like, six or seven. The Ravens have six or seven. And so they are like kind of underdogs in that way, in that like their their roster composition is full of players that like people don't actually think that much of. Um, but no, I mean, look, the Niners are they. Sh- I, I said that this game, sorry, George, was going to be devastating if they didn't win. They they've kind of pushed the chips into the middle of the table for the last few years. They have five non quarterbacks who have twenty million dollar cap hits mm-hmm. uh, next year. They have like three or four other guys. I know Brad's going to talk about the restructures and stuff because they're over the cap, but they have three or four other guys who are kind of in that 14 to $15 million range. Brandon Ayuk's on the fifth year option. Brock Purdy's on the last year before they have to pay him, presumably if they, if uh, you know, Steven Ruiz doesn't get his way. And so they, they're kind of in like this last, this last year, this, they, they should do the last, like imagine if they made like a, a, a magazine or a cover with like, Brock Purdy walking. George is on the side there wearing his, you know, faithful tank top. And it says the last dance. Like that should be the that should be what this season is for the Niners. So I I agree that they should be favored. They have the best roster in the league. They have a great coach, a 10 out of 10 coach, except for when it comes to winning the Super Bowl. And and this is like the last, this is the last oomph. They gotta, they gotta get over the fucking hump this year, George. So I, I agree that they should be favored. Wow. I can't believe that you agree they should be favored. Here's the thing. The Niners are such a weak link system, and they, by and large, had great uh, injury luck until until the Super Bowl, of course, Eric, because, you know, Dre Greenlaw needs to tear his Achilles walking out onto the field, jogging out onto the field. Um, but I just can't understand how you could make a team that has that many potential you know, in, there are a couple injuries away from being a lottery pick again. Um, and so to me, it doesn't make sense. I would make the Chiefs favorites. I think it's absurd. And and the AFC, we talked about how great the AFC was. I think we learned this year that there's not that big disparity between the two conferences. So I, I just I disagree, though. Right. Like this, the the Chargers have Harbaugh. They have Corey Craywick, who we all love. They have uh, they brought in Mark Tressman, the the pride of Minnesota State University, Moorhead, coming in to, to coach quarterbacks. They have they have Herbert, who is good. Let's let's not let it let, let's not let the terrorists win on Herbert. He's good. Sure. Um, they they have the they have you know Quinton Johnston will learn how to catch a cold here pretty soon. Um, you know the Broncos have a Hall of Fame coach in Peyton. Like that's just one division. Then you know Aaron Rodgers is going to get immunized from whatever the hell's going on with him. 
uh, you know, Dolphins, Bills, you know, the AFC South has a pulse now. The NFC is terrible compared to the AFC. And the, I, I, I just disagree with this. And, like, make no mistake, this Chiefs team that won the Super Bowl isn't even that good, guys. They're not good. They, this team got their asses kicked by the Oakland Raiders on Christmas. I never know if it's a bit when you use the old location name or if it's just like a like brain block of a dad. Just, I, it's yeah. a total. I win the win the division before I like. I call it. I don't call them the St. Louis Rams. They got to the window. Like you, get, okay. you need to be called L.A. But so the like, San Diego Chargers. Oakland is, has to win it. Look, the Chiefs have played a playoff game in Oakland's new stadium before Oakland did. Like that's embarrassing, folks. You they got to better win a play. You know, win a division. It's fair. What do you think, guys? Actually, I, I agree on the on the conference split. I know we saw results-wise this year it was not quite the same, but I still think – just look at the quarterbacks. I mean, to make it very, very simple, who's the second-best quarterback in the NFC? Brock Party. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I guess it's like not even a, a crazy answer. Yeah, uh, it is, but it isn't. So, I don't know. I still go by that. Obviously, the, actually, the second-best quarterback in the NFC is Caleb Williams, but – um, the third <laughs> is a hard is a hard name to pick. The first is the first is Jordan Love, just so we're clear. Actually, that's a good point. I forgot about him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not mad that I put Jordan Love in my top ten, the the mm-hmm. top ten. Um mm-hmm. so and NFC quarterbacks, it goes Dak, right? Dak. Dakota. Yep. Dakota, Love. the Dak up quarterback, Love. as we used to call him when he was mm-hmm. struggling. The Dak up quarterback. Stafford's gotta get his love. Stafford. Um, oh yeah. I'd, I'd put Jordan Stafford Love. above Love. And it's Jordan Love, and then it's like Hertz, Purdy, Kyler, Kirk. Kirk's coming down here. I heard Kirk, by the way, our guy. Kirk's Kirk's wife is from like Alpharetta, where I live. Oh, Kirk, Kirk's Kirk's kids are enrolled in my kid's school right now. Like I think I think Kirk's coming down here. He's gonna be handing off the Bajant. Like Kirk, Kirk. I think Kirk's gonna come down here and play for Raheem. He had his wedding there too. No, he's uh d- deep ties to uh to a hot, hot land of Kirk. And I mean nothing would give me more happiness than hearing that Eric and Kirk Cousins go to church together. That would probably make my You get baptized in the same pool. Like think about that. Like getting dunked by the pastor. Well, look, Jesus can afford to have a commercial on the Super Bowl now about, you know, cleansing cleansing Think about feet. that. Think about Think about the rags to riches story on Super Bowl Sunday. You had Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, starting the Super Bowl. Jesus, a manger, affording mm-hmm. a Super Bowl commercial. It was such a rags to riches, just a rags to riches weekend. Patrick Mahomes, just the 10th pick, winning MVP. Yeah. It was just a, an ascension kind of story for everybody. And and you can buy frankincense, gold, and myrrh on Timu. For nine ninety nine, apparently as well. So, <laughs> um, Arjun Judah, right team favored, and are there any of these teams that you feel are particularly mispriced? Yeah, I think the right team is favored. Um, one price I do like: Packers twenty five to one. Um, you know, Jordan Love, the ascension at the end of the season. I think it was really impressive to see. I think we kind of saw that entire. Uh, receiving room, running back room, tight end room. They're all returning. They're all young. They're all first and second year guys. So I think just continuing to see that growth. I think Matt LaFleur, tremendous head coach. I mean, they didn't even have Bakhtiari for basically the whole year. Still had one of the best offensive lines in the league. Got rid of Joe Barry, who, you know, every film guy wanted him gone. And now 
I'm not too sure what this new Boston College guy is going to bring, but, you know, you still have great pieces like Rashawn Gary. I'm assuming Jair is going to get over whatever he was going through during the season and he'll be back in the in the uh, green and white. And then yeah, I think they have they have top they're, they're in the top five in terms of draft capital by uh, Brad and Jason Fitzgerald's chart. So they have a lot and they've been drafting well. So I think they're going to be able to replenish whatever holes they have in the draft. And while they don't have as much cap and they probably need to figure out the J Love situation, it's probably going to be another week NFC next year. And I think with how young they are and how much they have to grow, I think they can take advantage of that and you know maybe get over the hump. Yeah, I think uh, I like the Packers. I would surprise no one that uh, the team I also like is is the Texans. Uh, similar type of idea. The market's kind of pricing in as like who were kind of like the best teams at the end of last year, as if we were like ranking them on point spread. Now it's supposed to saying like, what's the right tail of all these teams? I've obviously been a, a CJ Stroud truther from, from day one. Uh, I think he continues to get better and he had a pretty historic rookie season, not to mention they obviously have pieces on the offense and like, Returning Bobby Slowick is, is huge. Uh, and I think the combination of like really good young quarterback and young offensive coordinator matters a ton. Uh, I think that's kind of been one of the major lessons of the last bunch of years in the NFL. Not to mention like they have some serious blue chip pieces on defense. Uh, Will Anderson's like the absolute real deal. Uh, and then you've got uh, Derek Stingley at cornerback also, who took a, a real step forward. Uh, and I think the Texans have the pieces and a fat, fat right tail, assuming things go right with uh, Stratton Slowick. And I have no reason to think they wouldn't. Do you think I mean, Texans I, open up as division favorites this year? I think it's close. I think it's real close to them and Jacksonville. Can I sing the same tune but a different a different song here? Here's the here's the one I like, and and I know that this is going to jive with some of Judah's metrics here. Can we can we go? Can we choose a Bengals twenty twenty one like odds price here though? What about Tennessee at one hundred and fifty to one? Brian Callahan. Had that Cincinnati offense with Jake fucking Browning moving the football around the yard a little bit all second half of the year. Like they ha- they beat the Vikings who were trying to make the playoffs. They had the, they had the Chiefs on the ropes, Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, by the mm-hmm. way. They had mm-hmm. them on the ropes at Arrowhead. Uh they they beat the Jags back when the Jags were supposed to win that division. They look. I'm not – and the AFC South, we act like the AFC South's out of the woods. And, and Judah makes a ton of great points about the Texans. But they are still the Texans. And the Jags are still the Jags. And the and mm-hmm. the Indianapolis Colts are still the Colts. Is this not, like, one of the better kind of 150 to 1 long shots that you could be holding on to? Uh, especially given that, like, Vrabel, obviously awesome coach. But, you know, Bill Callahan – great offensive line coach like that obviously worth its weight in gold but brian callahan i think did a really good job in cincinnati with one of those like force multiplier type coaches i don't know there's not a lot of values in the afc but to me that one if you're going to look for like a long shot among those 100 to 1 type you know bets are better that one to me makes some sense no i think it's an interesting uh Interesting thought. I was like trying to see if any of those longer shots made any sense. The furthest I could get down um, was Denver. If you think they make a play for a real quarterback, because I still personally do believe in Sean Payton, although it's hard to. The other one that I think is really interesting as as a pretty big long shot, if Kirk does go to Atlanta, and I like Raheem Morris, um, they have a lot of 
a lot of talent over there. And and I guess, you know, the point about the NFC, like it's just hard to imagine. Would you rather have to beat, I think it's a good question. Would you rather have to beat Mahomes on the way to a Super Bowl or in the Super Bowl? <laughs> like, I think I'd actually rather have to go, if you have to go through him at some point, I'd probably rather go through him uh, on the way there. Um, but I, I think is is compelling. Um, the, the other one that I can't believe you guys didn't mention, I think it's uh, a heresy that the Houston Texans have better odds to win the Super Bowl than the Los Angeles Rams. And I love the Texans. But the I just think that the Rams this year, I mean, think about the odds that were stacked against them. They even had Cooper Cup get injured. And, I mean, I think they, they should have won that playoff game. So I think at 30-1, to 1, like that's the team that feels to me like I could actually see them winning that, um, that I would consider betting on. My favorite long shot, shocker, uh, running it back, not letting this past season destroy my faith. Seattle gets Mike McDonald come in, oh. you fire Jamal Adams to Jupiter, uh, and you just kind of you, you start over in the back end. And then, dude, their injury like this past year was terrible. Their tackles were hurt like most of the year. The rest mm-hmm. of their offensive line was it was in shambles. You bring in Ryan Grubb, who was absolutely cooking at Washington. It was kind of like a Josh Heupel, Tennessee, like voodoo magic offense. But, you know, you adjust that for the NFL game with their trio of receivers, 75 to 1, and the same odds with, like, some absolute bums uh, is not is not fair for, for my Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, other long shots that, I mean, that I will agree with this. The fact that the Patriots, Commanders, Titans, Giants, all 150 to 1, that feels a lot more, a lot more doable. The Commanders, if they had gotten a Ben Johnson or a Bobby Slowick, I feel like would be compelling. Um, but uh, maybe not with Tanquin. I'm just gonna throw this out there. I think the Panthers at 250 is a little bit compelling. <laughs> do I? Do I think? Yeah, obviously, right now after the disaster of a season, what has to happen young, for them? Yeah, to yeah, talk us through it. Talk us through it. <laughs> I just, I right. think they've got. The defensive coordinator, I mean, that's not the number one. The number one thing is obviously going to be Bryce Young's development. But if we're looking at the secondary pieces from Bryce Young taking a step forward, and, like, I think Dave Canales is a big question mark. You can make cases either way. Uh, but, like, assuming that Bryce Young takes the next step, like, I'm a huge Elijah Everett fan. I think defensive coordinators matter a ton. Minnesota was a great example of that this year. Just, like, a truly disastrous defense on the personnel side. Brian Flores comes in, and, like, all of a sudden they're kind of middle of the pack. Uh, I don't really love to talk about like the strength of the NFC because the only thing I know is that the teams we think are going to be good now won't be, uh, and like teams are going to move all over the place. But the NFC South truly figures to be a disaster right now, and like not that much needs to go right in order for Carolina uh, to kind of take that next step, and that is just like Bryce Young. Uh, and sure, he was horrible, uh, but there have been plenty of quarterbacks who were really, really bad as, as rookies and uh, kind of progressed. Uh, I don't think it's that crazy, especially given the the two fifty to one. I mean, I think the problem with them is though, like there were were some redeemable pieces going into last year. Obviously, like Frankie Luvo, uh, Brian Burns, um, even like DJ Shark, Adam Thielen, Miles. Like, but all of them like went pear shaped last year, and like a few of them are go- are free agents now that they either have to like consider re-signing Derek Brown's on a fifth year option. Like, I. I'd like to see it happen, obviously, because there's there's not good people in that building now. Like I, I would like to see for see that work, but when you look at like the needle that they have to thread for that thing to 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 turn out okay, it's it's going to be tough. And I don't know about you guys, but like going 
Um, Tage has been on fire. Um, but but going going into um, go as you as you grow as an analyst, like one of the things that I've like kind of I, I shook Jim Everett's hand last year at the Super Bowl, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, this guy is a monster. And and you and I walked by Bryce Young at something else, and I'm like, I'm bigger than that. Like I do wonder sometimes about like the size you need to play the position. And it really hit me when I tr- I watched Joe Burrow try to play quarterback this year, hurt, and it, it that's where it dawned on me. Like when at that position, you have to be able to play banged up. And I just do not know if Bryce Young behind that offensive line in the, over the next four years is ever going to play at the health he needs to play to mature enough to be any good. And, and I just don't see it. Whereas a guy like Stroud, a guy like Levis, guys like that are, are actually physically imposing where as you build around them, they're actually like physically big enough to withstand some of the perturbations that they're going to get to develop. And that's like a positive for, for Arjun's guy Herbert is that he can actually develop while playing with broken ribs. Whereas a guy like Burrow is like the worst quarterback of all time during the month of September because he's got a calf injury. <laughs> is what I was curious, is what you're saying that Burrow isn't a guy that you uh that you believe in winning a Super Bowl? I look, Joe Burrow's legacy is keeping Patrick Mahomes out of five straight Super Bowls. So he's yeah. got my he's got my uh you know good job Bengals Twitter. We're happy for you. We we, we you have my you have the the smallest amount of my respect. But, but yeah, they're hanging that banner, by the way. And, and look, yeah. and you you have that next to the world's worst chili. You have two banners now. <laughs> Can't even call it chili. Um, the the thing about Bryce Young is there's a difference between being short and and like tough and short and like very flimsy is maybe a rough word to use, but I, I do. Um, like Kyler's thick is what you're saying. Uh, Kyler's kind of thick. I mean, you know, Drew Brees was uniquely accurate with the football. It's like you've got to have something really, really special to kind of overcome it. He's neither Kyler Murray's speed nor is he, you know, Drew Brees uh, either, I don't think. Maybe he's selling a pyramid scheme. Who knows? Um, <laughs> it happened. Um, Brad, uh, any? Uh, did you mention ones that you liked? I can't remember. I did. I did. I said Seattle, but I also was going to – your Atlanta one is tacked on to our uh, Judah's point of a job about just the NFC South being terrible. Uh, right. You know, like that, that does make them more compelling to me. The Saints, I think, are going to be the same if not worse. The Bucks probably regress a little bit. You lose Canales. I know they uh, – you know, Liam Cohen's a good hired OC for them, has familiarity with Baker. Baker's going to be back. Um, but he's also probably not going to have a year where he has – complete outlier pressure to sack rate and uh, like super low you know, turnover worthy play rate. All those things are probably going to regress to some degree. Does Mike Evans come back? Yada, yada. So yeah, the Atlanta one, if you're taking 50 to one and assuming you have Kirk cousins as your quarterback, which probably is not the worst assumption in the world. I think you're getting pretty, pretty good value there. Yeah. What, what is it? If they get Kirk cousins, it's gotta be, you know, gotta Down be 35, 30. I think oh, it drops. Like Kirk, Kirk, every team Kirk Cousins has ever been on has been 35 to one to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. 40 to one, 35 to one, whatever the fuck that is, it's going to be right smack dab there. Just, just yeah. take off the nameplate that says Minnesota Vikings and put in the <laughs> nameplate that says Atlanta Falcons. That's exactly where it's going to be. Uh-huh. You never have to ask that question ever again. I've missed, I've forgotten actually. The, the Kirk Cousins rants, they are 
They are uniquely I mean, good. I've been, I haven't been on the show for two years. And I know. They've never changed. Something's, ne- some things have changed. Some things <laughs> have stayed the exact same. And Kirk Cousins is absolutely one of them. Uh, speaking of things that have stayed the same, being able to go uh, put your money where your mouth is at DraftKings. The leader in fantasy sports just dropped a new fantasy app. It's called Pick Six. Pick Six is the newest way for you to get in on the fantasy action with DraftKings. It's very easy. You pick two to six players. You choose if they're going to have more or less of a stat, and then you win a multiplier of your money according to your risk tolerance. You track your lineup, compete against others for huge cash prizes. It is awesome. It's a kind of a hybrid between DFS and um, you know the prize pick sort of model, um, and so you can get some really big winnings with it. It's a lot of fun. Just go download it. It's the DraftKings Pick 6 app. Download it right now. Sign up with code PFF. That's code PFF. Only for DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Uh, Eric can tell you more about that. I guess in Missouri, they don't have one. Eligibility restrictions apply. Valid only in states where DraftKings Pick 6 operates. Pick 6. Not available in certain states, including, but not limited to, Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, please visit tkng.com slash pick6states. Void where prohibits heat terms at pick6.draftkings.com. I had to go with a, a really clean transition for this podcast for you, Eric. I've been really getting into the DraftKings reads. The The proportion of actual read to disclaimer is just so enticing. Um, you know, you really got to get into it. You have to, you have to make it count, yeah. <laughs> All right, last topic of conversation here. Uh, this dovetails from what we were just talking about. I want we love guessing the lines. There are no lines to guess, obviously, right now. So we're going to kind of make one up. Over the course of the next five seasons, the over/under of number of teams to win a Super Bowl. What would you lay it out? Assume even odds on either side. Uh, what would you make it? We can start uh, with our celebrity guest. Um. Number of teams, I think you have to three and a half. This is me as a Chiefs fan, too. Like, this is me giving one to Arjun's guy, Herbert. You'd be giving mm-hmm. one to Brad's guy, Drake May. This hey. is me giving one. <laughs> All right, uh, Brad, you're next. Yeah, I was gonna say three and a half as well. Um, I wanted to say flat three, but I, I couldn't get myself there. Judah? Yeah, I was going to go three and a half. I think it's shaded closer to four. Uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting quarterback market, I think. We just like haven't seen uh, as many quarterbacks on rookie deals right now with a lot of success, uh, which I think changes the equation a lot and kind of favors slightly a team like the Chiefs. Uh, but there are still so many, so many good quarterbacks, and it's really so hard to continually win Super Bowls. You need a lot of luck on your side. Yeah, yeah. Arjun, what do you think? I, I would have gone three and a half as well. All right, I'm gonna be, I'm different here. It's gonna, it's very hard to win Super Bowls. I know that the Chiefs won this Super Bowl. I know Patrick Mahomes seems inevitable. You got Mikol freaking Hardman out there. Okay, that can't, that's not gonna happen twice. You're going to have to keep paying Mahomes. Um, you've got, you know, you got to pay Chris Jones. I don't know if, you know, do you do that? What does that mean for the wide receiver room? I know Rasheed Rice is a yak monster, yak merchant, to use Arjun's phrase. Um, you don't know how long 
uh, Andy Reid is going to be around. Um, if they don't get one next year, you know, does he stick around? Um, it's very, very hard. Here's the other thing. The quarterbacks, the young quarterbacks, we saw a really good one come out in C.J. Stroud. This year was a quarterback kind of nightmare. A lot of players got injured. Um, so I'm going four and a half. I, I think the Chiefs winning one Super Bowl in the next five years would be impressive. There's got to be some. There's got to be something to to take them down a little bit, a peg or two. Travis Kelsey ain't playing for five more years. Let me tell you that. Okay, he's going to be a a promoter for the next Eras Tour in five years. Okay, so there's a lot of things that it would be impressive for them as hell for them to win two of the next five. I'm going with four and a half. Give Burrow one. Give Herbert one. Throw Purdy in there just for fun. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going. But George, don't I see it differently? Like they won the Super Bowl this year with two guys with more than 460 yards receiving. Like this team was, this team for a Chiefs team was ass. Like they, like, they're not going to go into next year with Marquez Valdez Scantling as wide receiver one. You know, like this is not going to happen again. Like they, they, this is like the learning. Fr- it's sort of like that, that we wake up in the morning next to, you know, next to a girl that you don't actually like. And you're like, did we? And she said, no. And you're like, thank God. Like that was this kind of Super Bowl, right? That was this, you learn, but you didn't actually make the mistake. That was this kind of Super Bowl, right? And they, they're going to learn from the mistakes and like, and, and it's a good type of learning. Like, they're not going to go into the year with the same kind of bullshit that they went into this year with, right? So I I see this I see this year as not a, oh, the Chiefs suck and they're going to go down. I see this as a, the Chiefs fucking played with fire, still won, and know better, and will and we'll, and we'll sack up and actually win it. And actually... But are you the best team or best? Are you no, no, I, that's Eric, though? Like, I, they, I agree with him, just to jump in, because it's also like, not only will the receivers will not be this bad, their left tackle won't be as bad as Donovan Smith was in this playoff run. Um, and there, you look at the rest of the AFC and cash spending this year, the Chiefs weren't even top half of the NFL. The Ravens are going to be worse. The Chargers are going to be worse. Sorry, Arjun. Uh, the, the, the Dolphins are going to be worse. The Bills are going to be worse. Like, all the Jaguars are going to probably be worse or just be the Jaguars um, and just waste draft classes. Like, the Chiefs are actually ascending, and every other team that, that was supposed to be battling them for AFC supremacy is going in the opposite direction. I mean, there's no guarantee they hit on picks, but you know, you got big boy Leo Chanel out there flying around making plays. Like, you, you know, Daddy Veach is going to bring some boys in. It just, it's got to be at receiver or tackle or at running back. Isn't now the time to get another first round running back? Pacheks, Pacheks was did, number two in rushing yards behind Pat. By the way, did you see? Uh, and we didn't talk about this, Eric. I don't know if you bet the national anthem. The national anthem syndicate had a no. Norm Sharp ruined the national anthem for all of us, and 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 everybody is too afraid. Like I'm on on the hammer with Rob, and I you know I know Judah's a big timer now. He's such a sharp. Like he's he's on the matchbook pot, and no one on there has will say it either. I'm yeah. gonna come out and say it. Warren Sharp ruined the anthem for everybody because he gave it out as a service in the in the L.A. Super Bowl, and now none of us get to bet it anymore. But no, I didn't bet the anthem because the limits are $25 yeah. because Warren Sharp ruined it for all of us. But go ahead, keep going. Anyways, complete, complete garbage. Um, the the thing, the thing about 
uh, and, and I understand your point. The, the thing about the, um, the, the Clyde Edwards Hilaire thing that I was going to say is everyone got excited about how Usher hugged Alicia Keys. The way that Clyde Edwards Hilaire hugged Brittany Mahomes today was concerning. It was concerning to me. Okay. There was a lot of joy. It's Valentine's Day. It's concerning. I'm just saying there could be strife in the locker room. Let me let me just say this. I don't think Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift are going to be together forever. Whenever that breakup happens, shit's going to hit the fan. Okay. Um, a lot of things that could potentially go wrong for the Kansas City Chiefs, Eric. I'm just tight ends are one marriage, guys. Look at me. The date, <laughs> the data is clear. Um, the data is clear. I, look, I I think that the don't tell Shannon Sharp. I think a pretty. I think that marriage is an open marriage, guys. Like, come on, that, Ray Charles could see this. Like the Brittany Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes marriage is a is is an open marriage. And, and look, I'm a progressive guy. Do whatever you want. I think they slipped up a little bit today, Clyde and her, and, and showing yeah. off a little bit of that. Yeah. But come on, you think Patrick Mahomes is is a one gal guy? He has three Super Bowl. You think a guy has three Super Bowl rings and one wife? That's a bad. That's not a ratio. We're analytics people here. That doesn't jive. What are we talking about? Troy Aikman, uh, Troy Aikman wasn't a three three Super Bowl rings, one wife guy. You he might Patrick have more wives than touchdown passes. <laughs> um, so okay, let's let's ask this question in another way. Uh, well, it's a slightly different question, but I'm curious. Let's take the Chiefs out of it for a second. You have to pick one team to put your life on. Let's say you have a million dollars. You have to put your, your million dollars on to win a Super Bowl in the next five years. That's not the Chiefs. Who would you bet on? Eric, you can start. Win multiple Super Bowls? Just just win one. Next, but you but they, they've got to just win one. It can't be the Chiefs, but you've got to put your life on it. Right. Okay. So this is the team that you're like at the end of five years, you might be, you know, living at the bottom of the ocean with the fish. The Detroit Lions. Amazing. Brad. Oh, Lions, a decent shout. Uh, I mean, I'm just def- I'm definitely just thinking NFC for sure. If are, are we saying the Chiefs don't exist or just like anyone yeah, besides? You can't take the Chiefs. That's yeah, yeah, cheating. Yeah. yeah. I'm just not going to go AFC then. Yeah. I mean, Lions, a good shout. I'll just take just to be a total masochist. I'll just go Green Bay Packers. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Uh Judah. I'm going with the Eagles. Wow. I trust that front office. Okay. Arjun. <laughs> Give me the Cowboys. Oh McCar- my God. look, look, look. McCarthy's won twelve games in each of the past three years. Like he knows how to win. Playoffs is just like random shit happens. I, I think Dak's gonna figure it out one year. Like I, they they have some really good pieces. I don't know. I I like the Cowboys here. I'm glad you picked the one team that if I had to bet on a team not to win the Super Bowl <laughs> with my life on the line, that would be the team that I would pick. So I, I'm glad that we're totally aligned there. I, I was torn on this one, and um, it's hard to see either one of these cities winning a a Super Bowl. To be perfectly honest, but I'm going to go with Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. And the reason for that is that he is the closest to me that, you know, how scared I was when the Niners kicked or decided to receive in overtime because of Mahomes on the other side. Joe Burrow is the guy that makes me the second most worried 
if I were in that situation. Um, it's it's a close one between him and, and Josh Allen. Um, so I'll go with the Cincinnati Bengals. Although it's hard for me to imagine the Bengals winning winning Super Bowl. I can't believe Arjun took the Cowboys. It's only because he didn't want to take the Chargers. <laughs> no faith in Jimmy H. No faith in Jimmy H, no. man. None whatsoever. Guy just got you a ring. Too. You're gonna have Dave so far like chasing you down and calling yeah. you a hater <laughs> and like all this stuff, not taking no for an answer. Eric, you really would take the Lions because you really believe in Goff that much. I mean, Goff had your Niners on the ropes the other day. <laughs> yeah, and couldn't like, get it done. Were on the rope, and like, look, that defense is terrible. But like, Ben Johnson is not going to want to be a head coach. He had he had seventy he had Josh Harris basically back up the Brinks trunk for the like they were waiting for him they had the private jet coming to pick him up and he's like yeah thanks but no thanks he just wants to be he just wants to vibe out and coach Jared Goff. I that to me I understand but like there's first off is Jared Goff a viable option once you think he's good enough to pay. Is Ben Johnson still there? Um, all of those things, I think, are huge questions. But Goff had, Goff had the second biggest cap hit in the league among, and, and I know that Brad's, you know, Brad, Brad knows this much more than me. But like the the quarterback salary cap hits get suppressed when the season happens. But they were going if they would have made the Super Bowl, it would have been the top two cap hits in the league among quarterbacks, I think. And so like they can win with Goff making a lot of money. It's it's more the Hutchinsons and the Amon Ross St. Browns and the Lee McNeils and that like once they have to make those hard decisions, I think that that's harder. But over the next two or three years, they don't have to make those hard decisions all that much. And 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 Dan Campbell like squeezes the juice out of the orange. And Brad Holmes, I don't like the Jameer Gibbs pick, but everything else they do, I think, is pretty sharp. So I I, I can get behind them and. Like who? No, Brad Earmuffs, but they're in competition. Is the Bears, the Vikings, and the Packers, and the rest of that division and the rest of that conference is not that hard. You forgot about Ryan Tannehill's monstrous cap hit, but I do think golf was third. Uh, look, look, the Bears have never if they take a white quarterback wearing number ten at UNC, as you suggest, Eric. There's no way that goes poorly. Impossible. I, I'm I'm soft. I like Drake. I, like, and I get, I hate this because Joe A likes him, but like I like Drake May. I do like Drake May. Uh, I think if you trade back and take Drake May, you will have so many draft picks that it won't actually. I could play quarterback for the Bears with that many draft picks as you guys have, and it might not even be that bad. Mitch Trubisky could have succeeded given the draft picks that the Bears will have if they trade back and take Drake May. Yeah. Wow. Steelers um, legend. All right. Uh, it, it reminded me that it is now time to bet draft props. And um, there will be a very good place for you to uh, talk about draft props. The uh, printing press discord will remain intact. Uh, this podcast, however, will be taking a little hiatus. Uh, and this may actually, in fact, potentially, we'll see what we end up doing next year, be the very last uh, podcast episode of the PFF forecast. And if so, there was no other way than to uh, than to ride it out with with our guy Eric. Um, obviously, Brad, Judah, and Arjun have added so much to the podcast. It's been so much fun. Uh, we love all the members of the press, and we'll certainly be live in the Discord no matter what next year. But if this is the last one, did want to send it off in the right way. So I figured, Eric, I would ask you the 
this, the memory that lives most with you from this podcast, and there are many, so it will be hard to pick one, but what are the ones that come to mind for you? Oh, man. I mean, yeah, it's so crazy, right? Like we had so many. Okay. A couple. Um, I remember the first time we, and this is pre-forecast. This is when you and I recorded our betting segment on the on the the PFF NFL show with Renner, uh, Monson, and Palazzolo. Um, when so they gave us like a ten minute like bet the game. Our first ever game was I believe we laid three points with Dallas against the Giants on the first game of the 2017 season. George and I. So George was working. Back then, NBC did both Thursday night and Sunday night. So George, this is George's first year running that. God bless his heart. He also helped out with analytics. So I was a math professor running analytics for PFF. George was running the broadcast stuff and working on analytics. Both of us, you know, sort of get that game gets done. I can't remember what the th- oh, it was Chiefs, uh, Chiefs Patriots, Kareem mm-hmm. Hunt game, right? You know, beat up the Patriots that night, and we. That night, we we after the after the game, so George gets done sweating through his shirt because there were mistakes, and of course George overreacted to every mistake. He thought he was getting fired every time he made a, a little small little error uh, in the data. He gets done, he's like, okay, let's let's record this show. I'm like, all right, we get done a perfect segment. George's like, can we record again? Like, and he was it was cute because George was like, Eric, I know you have class next day. Can we record again? I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, let's do this. We record again. We fucked up. George's like, fuck. And we, so we record again. And then this time I fucked up. And then it took us like 18 different takes. And by the time it was done, it was great. We won our bets. We went like 14, six and one that year. We were so clueless, but also haughty in our ability to pick games. But then the best part was like George, every single time would find like a new way to rip on me. Like he'd be like the, the aloof goof from whatever. But like one time he was like so tired and so, like, he had, like, mailed in his making fun of me. He called me, like, the lesbian from lacrosse. And I was just, like, sitting there. I'm like, okay, this time, cut. I'm, I'm the one who's, like, let everything go. I don't care. You can say whatever. But this time, cut. That was the worst. So th- that was a fun time. I think my favorite, though, memory, and this harkens back to Chiefs Niners, was our first Super Bowl radio road together. We were recording a podcast with Kevin Clark, a Kevin, that, that, that first time he, he, he hunches his back around you. It's a little weird. So you gotta, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a, you know, a a surprise, but he's great to talk to. So we're all here talking and, and, and George announces to me on the podcast. So we have tickets to the game and my first ever Instagram post. Now I'm an Instagram, you know, savant, but my first Mm -hmm. ever post was a picture of me looking over at like my best friend being like, we're going to the game together. And George, of course, is just like, he's handing me these, these, these uh, Super Bowl tickets. And Kevin Clark, dead ass, the way he is, could not have cared less about the two of us getting Super Bowl tickets the first time in our lives. It was the best. It was, it was honestly the, the best contrast in like, act like you've been here before. I haven't been here before type of type of situation. That was, that maybe that was my best PFF forecast moment, I think. Yeah. First off, I forgot about the aloof goof from wherever. And 
the lesbian lacrosse. Uh, you remember, lesbian. Yeah, that one I remember specifically. And it was, it, it made, it was like, you're tired. You need some sleep. And, and to everybody here, George did not sleep for the, like the first, like three years we worked together at PFF. It was, it was actually incredible. Um, and uh, I don't think any of us slept. That's probably why I was 50 pounds heavier than when I started. And, and it was, it was a, a certainly a, a journey. Thank God for the Cincinnati Y, right? Um, Brad, your favorite memory. We got a commenter right here. Where there's a will, there's yes. a play. <laughs> yes. Does everybody know that that was you? Uh, they do now. <laughs> we we always tried to, you know, beat around the bush, the burning bush, if you will. Oh, yeah. But uh, the Quay Walker syndicate was, was pretty delightful. Pretty, what a beautiful, beautiful moment in time. Uh, Judah, what about you, brother? Yeah, uh, I don't think I have a specific memory, but I do have to credit you guys for getting me into football betting. I uh, can like vividly remember early stages of COVID, just walking around uh, the neighborhood I grew up listening to you guys, uh, and you know, I guess the I guess the rest is history. So I I owe a real debt of gratitude. And then the first time I uh, heard myself on this this podcast was just like a what where the hell am I? How did I get here? Type moment. Uh, I guess I guess that would be the best. I of course have not listened to one since, which is a little disappointing because it was a real part of my real part of my routine was listening to you guys. Uh, you guys go. That's awesome, Arjun. What about you? Yeah, no. There, there's a lot. There's a lot to pick from because I think I started listening to you guys when I entered college, and then um, as I kind of got brought down to PFF, definitely like had you guys as a big part of my rotation and then one when you texted me and tage to come on it was like one of the coolest feelings like oh i'd be talking on the podcast i grew up or i like i've been listening to for the past two years one of my favorite ones it's really specific i don't know why it always makes me laugh but it's it was like two years ago eric was talking about uh Oli udo from the vikings <laughs> and he just he talked about it this is in such a funny way the one who was live i would i i could not stop laughing because he was like the Vikings have something called Oli Udo playing at left tackle, led the league in penalties. And I, I was like, I was crying. I was like crying with laughter at that point. Cause it was so funny the way you were able to just like create humor out of that. And then George was able to play off of that. And just like, that's why you guys were my favorite podcast, uh, you know, when I was in college. So there's, there's a lot of great memories though. I appreciate that. Um, so many to count. I don't know what my favorite one is. There is there is Eric apologizing to Chiefs Kingdom after the Tampa Bay Bucks uh, beat the Chiefs. Thankfully, um, that was, that by was the way, fantastic. That was the only time I did the podcast drunk. Let's be honest; like we that's that's out there now. Very true. I I have never watched that Super Bowl sober because I only watched it once. Um, that that was that was a hell of and and my boss knew because Rick called me the Rick Drummond, uh, you know, the legend called me the next morning. He goes, "How you feeling today?" He goes, I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I watched the podcast last night. Uh, so even he knew, but uh, that, that was, that was a hell of a, that was a hell of a, a day. And um, we were, we were so like amped up for that game. I remember we went to get steaks before the game at like four o'clock. Me and Gail went to the liquor store to get you Casamigos. Cause I think it was like a special occasion for you too. You might've gotten like a promotion or something. And then we, and then we went up to Austin's room because you were like getting ready or something weird. And then, and then we, then, then, then we, I, went to, I was working out when you got to Austin's apartment. Yeah, that's right. Well, and that was, that is the one thing about, about George 
that you were relig- like religious about your workouts. Like, I think if the Niners played the Super Bowl during your workout time, they would have to have what they they had to have waited. But yeah, so <laughs> anyway, keep going. That's fair. Um, so you actually reminded me of another one of my favorite moments, which is the Cincy Y segment. There's some segments that I think need to be mentioned here. This the Cincy Y was fantastic. Only true OGs will remember analytical edging, which was transcendent, um, was really a first of its time. I can't believe we did that episode and like people still listened. The person who we were making fun of on that on that segment is now like a good friend. And so honestly, I don't even like necessarily know if I want to go back to that. But yeah. it was we thought of that, by the way, coming back from that conference in the Super Bowl in like 2018 mm-hmm. or something like that. Like we were. Yeah, that it was what like they were. What about the um, the speed score? We did that. We we did the analytical edging segment on speed score. That was really funny too. The that, one, that, we had so many great segments on this show. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I, this was the one I was going to mention next. Quibby, oh, the fact. Do we when Shannon Ford had when we did the Quibby when we auditioned for Quibby at PFF was that was, was, one of the, that was incredible. It was really one of the greatest things that that when the, that is when the camera like zoomed in on Mike Shaft. That was like that was an insane yeah. moment. Yeah, the the way that we got into the Quibi episode segments was that we actually at PFF tried to do a like Quibi show that we sent in, and in doing so, we learned about Quibi and all of the wonders that it was. Uh, that pilot segment is one of the funniest things you'll ever watch. Needless to say, it didn't make it to Quibi. Um, Ball sack or just whack? Yeah, it was very close. Ball sack or just whack? Uh, Which was one of Eric's many great contributions to the show um, was phenomenal. That was a phenomenal uh, uh, segment as well. I still still can't get over the Quibi one when Shannon Ford said air yards are lit. (laughs) <laughs> on on a Quibi segment about football. That was- and, I, and I love that there are like maybe three people listening to this will have a clue what that is, but they will be laughing extremely hard. Um, there is absolutely no doubt about it. Um, my favorite thing, though, about the show, and this is a thing that will live on whether we come back next year or not, is the way that people tried to get to the right answer and worked really hard on it and came with things that I think in general, you don't get a lot, certainly in sports betting, certainly in sports. Um, I always felt smarter. Obviously, Eric, you know this. You always made me um, you know, better at thinking about not just the game of football, but, for example, we used to talk about books at the end of the podcast. We'd recommend a book, and I'd recommend you like a stupid men's cologne. Um, that was I one of my favorite. Right now, though. Yeah, well, there you go. And I'm well-read. Uh, and I think that is the thing that was my favorite uh, favorite thing out of all this is after a podcast, I would always, if I'd had a conversation with someone, I'd always be able to tell them something that was way smarter than what I've told them before. And that was because of the people that were on this show um, who are really some of the most intelligent uh, people out there from a football and a math perspective. And just in general in life, you're all great people. Um, and I am honored to have been able to uh, to do a podcast with you guys. Um, also, the, the people that listen to the show um, who have listened for an incredibly long period of time. Um, it's really, really awesome. Um, you guys are certainly members of the Discord, and that's been fantastic. 
Um, but that has meant quite a bit. There are a lot of really smart people out there who want to do a better job of learning about football and betting on the game. And that's really awesome. So um, it's hard to pick just one. Um, yes, recommending a great dinner spot in random cities. I do remember that. Honestly, I was just, I was always trying to get something close to Eric. Eric would have like a podcast or a book that like legitimately would help your life. And I'm like, shit, the only thing I've done is like this past week is, you know, eat out. Um, so here you go. Um, but uh, this has been so much fun. Eric, uh, you brought up the first episode that we recorded. We did 18 takes. Um, I will never forget those. Those are incredible. Uh, maybe I'll find them at some point and we can uh, we can laugh at them. But whether this show uh, continues or not, I think the the people on the show will and uh, will continue in a lot of different places. So I encourage you to follow them. I know I certainly will. Uh, so signing off potentially for the last time. Eric, thank you for hanging out. Love you, brother. Brad, Judah, Arjun, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. We will see you guys somewhere. Peace.